Greg Thomas on keyboard today. Praise the Lord. And who, I'm sorry, sister. Your name? Cheryl. Cheryl, one of our vocalists who's visiting us today. God is good, isn't he? Isn't he God good? You know, I'm going to take advantage that you guys, most of you guys are standing. Why don't you extend your hand and, and pray for me? I need your prayers today, you know. And as I pray to praise myself in the Lord, let God speak into our hearts. I mean, you came here for something, right? Now I want you to say, Father, I'm going to be doers of your word. See, that's when the Lord opens up your heart, when you're ready to do the word of God. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I give you thanks, honor, and glory. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, this morning to present your word to this group. Father, as I preach, as, I, as you use me, and if you could use anyone, use me. Father, that you would touch the lives of each and every person here. Father, even without putting hands, that people will be healed. Lord God, that depression will leave them. Anxieties will leave them, Lord God, that you will transform. We believe that the waters will move today. It is not the first who get in there, but all those who enter shall be saved. Father, bless each and every one here today. And Lord, now that this word, Lord God, that you put in my heart, I will say it as you give it to me. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the living God. God is good. Praise the Lord. You know, today is Mission Sunday, and uh, before I start on the message, I would like just to say a couple of things as far as mission goes. My wife and I, I had a privilege to go early in February, the first week in February, to Costa Rica. Now, Costa Rica is a beautiful place to vacation, but we didn't go to vacation. We went to a little place called Aquidio de Desamparado. The forgotten ones, really, that's what the word says there, desamparados. And it's mostly our immigrants from Nicaragua who are in this area. And for the last few years, we've been, we have, I don't know if people know, but we have planted a church there. We have Grace Point in Costa Rica. Uh, if you guys are not aware of it, but I think somebody who knows me for a while is not the first time I spoke about it, not the first trip. Pastor Carl went out there, one of his last missionary, matter of fact, his last missionary trip was there. Our lead pastors have been out there, and, and hopefully one of you guys will be out going out there soon as well. Last year we had a group go out there, and we're planning to go again. This time when I went, I went to... Uh, the church, the church went through a split a couple, uh, about a couple years ago. The location they were at, they had to move from there. Some people went outside the community, and a few groups stayed within the community. We continued to to work with that group. When we, my wife and I went, thank God that somebody donated a brand new laptop. We took them a laptop, and it worked out because one of the things that we've done in the Spanish ministry, we have joined forces with, uh, or we're studying under Harvest Christian University out of Seattle, Washington. It's a, it's a credited course. We, some people are doing an associate's degree, bachelor's degree, master's degree, and doctor degree. And uh, we, gave, we, we went out there with the material, and they got, got two scholarships. The pastors out there, they never really have studied formally, and now they're going to be able to do that. And I told them, I need at least a bachelor's degree, and then we're going to bring you to the States. We're going to introduce you to Grace Point, and maybe we could even ordain them right here, you know. So pray for that. Amen. Yeah, so good things are happening. 
Uh, this Friday alone, we, we serve 40 kids in between school hours. Their they're, they're school's a little different. There's a group that goes in the morning and a group that goes in the afternoon. So we left some funds, but those funds are running out. And now, like I said, I'm not here to collect any funds, but in Pushpay, we do have a drop line now where it says Costa Rica. And soon we're going to present a plan how to, be, how to enhance the community and how to be a blessing there. So it is another way that you could be a blessing in another part of the world. Amen? So let's get right into it. I'm going to read a little bit in the um, book of Luke chapter 24. I'm going to start with the 44 on. It says, Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the Lord of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand Scripture. That part is very interesting when they said that God opened their minds to understand scriptures. And then he said, Jesus, and then Jesus said, and then he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. By the way, I'm, re I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It was also written that the, this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. You are witness of all these things. In 49, the key verse. And I know I, and now I was sent the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. When they say stay here, it's talking about Jerusalem. And I, I call that like the waiting area, the waiting room. But today's message is, the waiting is over. The waiting is over. I start in Luke's because Luke is a continuation. I mean, Luke is the beginning of what Acts is. Acts is the continuation of in what we see in Luke. Luke spoke about what was Jesus was doing here on earth. And Acts speaks about what Jesus is doing since he ascended to heaven. Yes, I know it speaks about the Holy Spirit, but I'll get there. To understand, really, Acts, and to understand why Paul did what he did, we must understand what Jesus is doing now in heaven. Excuse me. What Jesus is doing now in heaven. Hebrews 10, 10 through 14, tells us that after offering himself as a sacrifice for our sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Sometimes when we think about sitting down, we think about, oh, he's taking a break. You know, that's not what he's doing. So. Right now, Hebrews also talked about 725, that Jesus lives to intercede for those who believe in him. He's interceding for me. He's interceding for you. That always gets me. It always, it always reminds me back in the, in, 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 uh, the New, in the New Testament when Lazarus had died and Jesus came out. You see his sisters crying, people are crying, even, just, even Jesus cried. But what I like about it is the words that he says when he tells his father, Father, so they would know that you will always, that you always hear me. Then he says, Lazarus, come out. I don't know if you, you got that. Father, to know that you always listen to me. And then I put that, wait a minute, Jesus 
is interceding for me. He makes requests on my behalf to the Father. And if I know the Father is always listening to Jesus, what that means about me, I'm in a good position. Sometimes you pray and sometimes you say, I don't know if God heard me, but all you got to do is have faith. Jesus is interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us. Brother, to know that is to get encouraged. Then we see in 1 John chapter 2 that Jesus is an advocate for us. When we sin, he positioned himself between us and the holy God, the Father. Christ declared our righteousness standing because of his sacrifice and our faith in him. To know that when I stand before the Father, Jesus comes and says, <laughs> don't see him, see me. See the righteous in me. I imputed in him. Father, I died for him. He stands before me. He's the mediator between me and the Father. Wow. That alone should give us courage. That alone should give us the faith that we need to be able to do what we do. And, and the reason I said that Acts, you need to understand what Jesus is doing in heaven is to understand why Paul did what he did, what the apostles, the way he, they worked, and why they did what they did, because they knew that Jesus was interceding for them. What more the Bible says that he is preparing a place for us. Excuse me. <coughs> that he is preparing a place for us. He said that he's going to go away, but that he will send another counselor, be with us and in us, but that he will go to prepare a place for us. So while he, we are the church that wait for Jesus here, we continue his work here on earth. He said, go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said that we will be able to lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. There is something about what Jesus said that we should, we should be encouraged, brother, to get out of that waiting room. So the book of Acts, is, as we know, it provides a history of the early church, how the church started. Last week, Pastor Floyd did mention, and as we went through the book of Acts, I don't know who, how many people took advantage and read the book of Acts. There's no, nothing different that we should be doing today in a sense. It's the same message. Jesus came. He suffered. He died. But he rose again. And he's coming back. It's the same message. Amen. It's the same message. And we see how these apostles gave their life for that message. To be able to continue what Jesus has started here. Pastor Floyd mentioned, like I said, the first church was Jews. They came, they waited. <coughs> Excuse me. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Then they spoke in other tongues. Many people always get confused with heavenly tongues. And these, these were tongues, in other words, other languages that people understood. Gave them the, op the opportunity to spread the gospel that way. Sometimes you might not know what to say, but the Lord puts the words into your mouth. 
This opened the door, though, for the Gentiles when we see, and Pastor Floyd also mentioned about the house of Cornelius, how Peter went and spoke in the house of Cornelius. But before that, Peter saw a vision where he saw different type of animals. I know we're not animals, but God was trying to say these are separate. These are the Gentiles, and what I clean, what I call clean, be careful to call dirty. And Peter understood, and he went to preach in Cornelius, and we know that the house of Cornelius was filled with the Holy Spirit, came upon them. So this opened the doors for the Gentiles, and now we see how the Gentiles are part of God's kingdom. Acts 1, 8 is a verse in Acts that we all remember, we all know about it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness telling people about everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The book of Acts, many call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, sheds the lights of the gift of the Holy Spirit who empowers who guides us, who teaches us. He serves as our counselor. Many would say that this book should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I believe it could also be called the Acts of Jesus through the Acts of the Holy Spirit, through the Acts of the Apostles. That the book of Acts shows us what the church was doing then and this people we should be doing today. And that is spreading the gospel. No matter what it takes. All thought many, many servants, many faithful servants was used to preach and teach and spread the gospel. Saul, who always called Paul, was one of the most influential of all the group. If not the most influential of all the groups. We all know that most of the letters was written by Paul. We know that before Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, or the Damascus road, he persecuted Christians. This was his job. He went after the Christians. But then we see in Acts chapter 7, by the way, I was just told to close out the book of Acts once and for all for now. And we're just going to give a quick summary, and I'm going to bring a message, but next week we'll start on a, new, on a new book. I'm not sure which one will be, but I guess we'll, we'll, we'll get the information later. But today as we're closing out the book of Acts, and like I said, if you have not taken advantage to read through the book of Acts, I don't think you're going to understand what the church should be doing or how it should be doing it. But we see in chapter 7 a man called Stephen who was chosen as one of the chosen by the apostles to serve the tables. Many call them the deacons, the first deacons, group of deacons, full of the Holy Spirit, men of honor. I believe that when we serve the tables, we should be serving with the right heart, doing it for God, and doing whatever it takes to serve, whatever it is that is needed. We, we shouldn't be above all. No matter what position we hold out there in the world, when we come to the feet of Jesus, we all disciples. We all his creation. Stephen was accused of blasphemy. He made a speech denouncing the Jewish authorities. 
who were sitting in judgment on him, and then he was stoned to death. You know who was there, right? You know who was one of the men that was there when Stephen was being stoned? We read it. Many long, no. Saul, who we call Paul. He was not just only there. He was one of the leaders there. As a matter of fact, it says that when people took off their coats so they could throw that rock really well, they put it at the feet of Paul because they trusted him. Those coats, were, they cost money. You got to be careful. They were robbers back then. They put it at a trusting man, and he gave his thumb up to stone Stephen. I always say to myself, that day when Stephen's face turned and people saw, and while they were stoning him, he could see the heavens open, something must have happened to Paul. That's my interpretation. Something happened to Paul that he remembered that when he had his encounter. And I think that was always in his mind. I always say that the Bible says, where the Lord forgives much, much should be given. Saul of Tarsus, was led, who later known Paul, a Pharisee, a Roman citizen, participated in the stoning of Stephen. But and then we receive this new Paul now becomes a servant of the Lord. And he's not, he doesn't stay in that waiting room. When Paul first got converted, or first had that encounter, we know he went blind, right? Pe many people says that that was part of his, his thorn, that it, he had problems with his eyesight. Others say that he has other infirmities. I believe it was persecution because from day one, he saw persecution and never stopped, and never stopped in his life. But I never stopped him either. Everywhere he went, even from his own people, even when he first converted, even the apostles were scared of him. Even other Christians were scared of him. That never stopped. I said, that was a thorn in him. And God said, my grace is sufficient. So we see from chapter 13 to 28, we see how Paul worked as a Christian missionary. We see his activities in the mission fields. From Antioch, the church of Antioch, while they were there, they said that the leaders were praying, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon them and said, apart Barnabas and Saul for the job that I've got for them. Do you know you have been called out? You know that's what the church is all about, those who have been called out? You have been called out. As we see on the mission trips, there was four trips. One of them, he went in handcuffs, I call it, right? For the first three trips, he had more liberty. And we see the first time that he goes out from Antioch, Barnabas and Mark and him went together. As soon as they started, something happened to John Mark where he turned back. You know, sometimes uh, this could be a little rough. I'll be honest. Ministry is it's not for everybody as far as depending on the positions. Not everybody could be a pastor, not everybody could be a teacher, not everybody could be certain positions. But one thing that we all could be is a man or a woman of God who serves in whatever position God has called them to serve, whether it's just to intercede in prayer, whether to help in the cafe, whether it's to help with the children, 
We all are important. You understand that everybody is needed. We all are needed. But whatever reason Mark returned and Paul and Barnabas continue, we see it was Barnabas and Paul, and then we see how Paul becomes the leader. One of the first thing, one of the things that I remember in the first trip is in Lystria, where he was left for dead. When, when, again, we talk about stoning, they were professional. The Bible said that he was left for dead. I always say, I think he did die. Because they were, they were good. The Bible talks about that he saw the third heaven, that Paul talked about things that he saw in heaven. I said, maybe he was doing that time. That he died while he was there. This is my interpretation. You don't have to take it that way. That while he was dead there, because these guys were, remember, they were, they were experts. I was in the military, and we had marksmen, and we had experts, marksmen. Some of us became experts. 242 out of 250. Praise the Lord. I don't know if I could do it now. That was, I was 18 back then. 18 back then. I could shoot 500 yards and hit the bullseye. Praise God. That's how they train you. But God trained me even better. God has trained me even better. I have better bullseyes now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Even from here to Costa Rica. Praise the Lord. God is good. Give a applause. There you go. Hallelujah. He was left for dead in Lystra. I always say that Paul just got up. Must have been bleeding. Must have been bruises. I don't know if he had broken bones, but the Lord must have healed him. He got off, dusted himself off, and continued his ministry. Each and every time Paul went down, Paul was hurt. No matter why, each time he got up, he dusted himself off and kept doing what the Lord had told him to do. He never quit, never said, why me, Lord? Why me? He never said that. As a matter of fact, you know when, when he got discouraged? One time in, when he returned on his third trip in Jerusalem, I'm jumping a little bit there. It's good because I have more liberty than the first service. I don't have to worry about time in Spanish service. You know, I could take my time here. When he went to Jerusalem with the offering and he tried to preach to the Jews and the Jews didn't, a lot of them did not accept it. He got discouraged. But and then Jesus told him, came and said, Jesus told him, take courage, Paul, because the same way that you testify in Jerusalem, you're going to testify in Rome. So it's not about where... We, who, we t who converts or don't converts is what we do. You know, we have an evangelistic team that goes out, I think, one Friday a month. And I, and I said this in the first service. Well, most of it I'm going to say because two different services, right? If you go out and they say one person won 20, 20 souls for the Lord. The other, soul, the other person came back and did the same job, but one's, there was nobody converted. Matter of fact, somebody didn't even want to talk to him. When they come back. Who God is going to give the prize to? Both of them, because they both did their will. They both did God's will. We do our job, he does his. Whoever converts, converts. If they don't, they don't. But you do our job. We do our job. I like it in the, in the, second, in the second trip. One of the things that we remember in the second trip, it's always good to remember certain things about the trips, right? One of the things is that vision he had. So he goes out. And he brings the gospel to Europe. Look how the Lord started. Remember what the Bible says, that this, the word will be preached to the end of the earth. Not just Samaria, not Judea, you know, but to the end of the earth, not just Jerusalem. And now we see this coming alive. What he talked about in Luke, what we talked about in chapter front, 1, is coming alive. And this is what the church is supposed to do. It doesn't change. 
It doesn't change. So he goes and spread the gospel in Europe. Then on his third trip, one of the things that we remember, and Pastor Daniel brought it up on doing his preaching, is remember when he was in Choraz and they were preaching, and I guess he was long-winded that time, one of those long preaching. Who was here last Tuesday? No, I'm just kidding. I had to bring whoever's here. They, they, they know. You know, it was long, and somebody, and a young man was at the window, and what happened? He fell asleep, maybe because it was hot, fell out the window, fell dead out down in the street there, and what Paul did, Paul got up, went down, lay hands, and that young man raised again, and he continued his work. Amen. Amen. This is what the church should be doing, giving life to the dead. Paul was used to give this man life again. During his third journey, the other thing is that Paul was warned that when he goes back to Jerusalem, this is in the third journey before, that's why I said I jumped. When he goes back to Jerusalem, he was going to be bound. He was going to be persecuted. He was going to end up in jail. I don't know, somebody tells me I'm going to end up in jail. I'm going the opposite direction. I ain't going over there. Not me. Uh-uh. No, I'm not going there. That's not, that's not God. That's not God. It can't be God. People, are you aware that the trials you go through, you go through many times because it's been ordained by God? Are you aware that the storms we go through has been ordained by God? We saw it. Paul was doing God's will, yet he was caught in a storm. He was, God, he was doing God's will yet, but he was, he, he was persecuted. They wanted to kill him every time. And he was doing God's will. It was God ordained. That's why Paul could say, God, you took me out of this one. I'm not worried about the one that's coming next. When God puts you through those trials, when God puts you through the storms, and you make it through, and then the next one comes, because they're coming. They're coming. If you don't have, they're coming. But you know what you say? You look back and say, I remember when that happened. Hallelujah. He got me out of that. I went through the fire. I didn't get burned. I went through the water. I did not drown. I was in the desert, and he gave me to drink, so I'm going to be okay. I know he's going to put me through again. He's going to get me through this one. That's what Acts is all about, trials and tribulations, and yet the word still being preached, and this man Paul knew who he believed in. He knew where God was. He knew who Jesus was. So he said, all right, they kill me, so what? I still win. If they kill me, I still win. This is just introduction. I haven't started preaching yet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's coming. The preaching is coming. So we can learn. We can learn so much from, the, from Paul in the book of Acts. This man who went through so much on his conversion. Look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says. Five different times. And, and this was in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 through 27. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. 
I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from the rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and in the sea. I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. Many will say, this is part of my story, huh? I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I have often gone without, gone without food. I have shivered in the cold and without, without clothing to keep warm. You know, Paul went through all this. But one thing he didn't do is just stay in the waiting room. Now I'm going to preach. He didn't stay in the waiting room. What, what I mean by that? Remember what I said from Luke 24, 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes upon and fills you with power from heaven. That, that key words, it says, but stay here. Many are, are still in the here, still in the waiting area. Many are still in the waiting city. Many are still in the waiting room. But I got something to tell you. Are you ready for this? The waiting is over. The waiting is over. What you mean, pastor? Well, I tell you one thing. The Holy Spirit has come. We see it in the book of Acts. He has empowered us. He has given us strength. He is guiding us. He is teaching us. He is giving us the instruments we need to do our job. The waiting is over. What are we waiting for now? The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus said, I'm going to send someone who's going to be with you, but more important, he's going to be inside of you. We've had the privilege better than what the Old Testament prophets had and, and, and all these other patriarchs from the old times. The Spirit came upon them at one at a time and at times. But now, not only that the Spirit was poured out, but He's with us. As soon as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. What are you waiting for? Church, what are we waiting for? This is what fueled Paul to be able to do what he did. The Holy Spirit this is what gave Paul the strength he needed, not to quit in the midst of the storms. Like I said, the storms are permissive by God. The trials are, le are led by God. Why? Because if you don't have trials and tribulations and storms, how do you know who you believe in? How do you know where you stand in your faith? How will you know if that don't come? That tells us who we are in Christ. Are we really Christians? Are we really doers of the word? Or we are just people who come on a Sunday to hear a little word to say, I came to church and I serve God. This is what fueled God. Paul, what would happen today? Are you ready for this? If you decide not to wait anymore, leave that waiting room and put on the armor of God. Uh-oh. Paul knew how to put on the armor of God each and every day of his life. That's why he was able to fight and fight and fight and fight. When people left him around, he just kept going forward. God, you are with me. When they wanted to kill him, he had, he had his sword. He had the, the, the shield. He had the bell of truth. He had his boots on for the missions. 
He was ready to go to war. Are you, are you people, are you, you don't know that we are at war right now? More than ever before. I know they said we've been at the long, you know, at the end of days for many years. But let me let you know, we are living a time where sin is permitted. Sin has grown. You see it. You see it on the television. We are worse than Samora and Gomorrah back in the days. It's worse. Matter of fact, they look at you different if you're not sinning. They look at you different if you're not sinning. It is time to stand and fight the good fight. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. It is time to put on the armor of God and say, I'm going to believe in you. No matter what happens, I'm not waiting no more. I'm going out to fight. Paul knew what he was fighting for. He was fighting for the people's salvation. He didn't care about himself. He was good. Like I said, if he died, he's going with Jesus. But he cared about his people. Everywhere he went, we know the Bible, Acts, he went to the Jews first. He went to the Jews first. <coughs> Excuse me. And then he went to everybody else who accepted it. What would happen today if you stopped waiting? What would happen today if you stopped waiting and getting involved? What would happen today if you start getting involved? I just don't want to be coming here on a Sunday. I come from a Pentecostal background. Excuse me. <coughs> Those who've been in Pentecostal movements, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, special Saturdays, Sunday, I was there from 10 to 5 p.m., I know what that is. I know that is. But you know what? Something, I take that and I learn from that. I'd rather have that than be a weekend warrior. Uh-oh. Did, did I say something wrong? I'd rather have that. But when you're not waiting no more, you become more than just a weekend warrior. You become a warrior on a Tuesday night. You become a warrior on a Wednesday night. You become a warrior doing men's meetings. You become a warrior doing women's meetings. You become a warrior and, and as an usher. You, be, you start fighting the good fight. You come early. Oh, did I say something? <laughs> you stop waiting. You, you make sure that your Sundays is important. Nobody, I mean, I, everybody, no, don't invite me nowhere. Wait till 5 p.m. I should be done by then. And I go to wherever you want me to go. But other than that, I'm going to the house of the Lord. Whether I'm preaching or not. I don't care what they say. Call me fanatic. And that's what I learned in the Pentecostal church. I'm sorry. But it has served me well. Because if I put him first. Oh, if I put him first. If I put him first. All things will work out for good. All things will work out for good. Oh, people. I'm not waiting anymore. It's time to fight the good fight. What would happen if you don't wait anymore and you go to Pastor Edwin, Edwin, where you need help at? Oh, you need a bus driver. Wait a minute. You know, Edwin, I can't, I, I, I'm not a preacher, but I have a good license. You know, I, I, I could do an hour after I get from work and then I go home and eat and come back and do another hour to take the kids back. That's what you need. I'm going to be there. Pastor Stephanie, where do you need me with the kids? I could come first service and then serve second service because I don't want to miss the church. I'm going to give a day to the Lord, not an hour. Uh-oh. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm fighting the good fight. And like I said, maybe you cannot go on the mission trips. But today I'm going to start tithing, Lord. I never tithed before. I never did offering in a big amount, Lord. But I'm going to believe you because I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not going to put my money in the banks. Because you know what could happen with the banks. 
Oh, did I say something? <laughs> I'm going to put my treasure up in heaven where they don't close, doesn't get corrupt. People, the waiting is over. What would happen? What would happen if we say Tuesday night, we come out to pray? One person. Thank you, brother. I saw you Tuesday. I know some, you know, maybe I am throwing some rocks, but these, these are holy rocks. It's for the good people. What would happen to this place if this group right here, right now, would show up on a Tuesday night and we start crying out for the Lord? What would happen to this place? What would happen to Grace Point? What would happen to this community? If we will make prayer night the most important part of our week, because I'm not in the waiting room anymore, I'm going to be interceding. I'm going to intercede. If Jesus is interceding for me, I'm going to intercede for my brother. I'm going to come out and put what God has gave me, I'm going to put it to practice. When they call to pray in groups, I'm going to pray for my brother. I might not know him, but God knows him. You know, some of you, God has given you gifts. Some of you, God has given you words of encouragement to give others, and you're sitting on it. Words of prophecy, and you're sitting on it. The gift of healing, and you're sitting on it. Well, Tuesday night is where you could practice here, so you could go out in, in the battlefield. What would happen if you stop being in the waiting room and come out? If you, you want somebody to pray for, pray for me. I need your prayers. My wife had to leave to Florida right away. She came and she had to go back. I had a young daughter who needs her. And when mama needs mama, you know, we got to be there. I, I, I'm proud that she could do that in honor, right? So pray for me. Pray for our lead pastor. Pray for the Johnson family. How many will come out Tuesday night and pray for, the, for, for all the pastors and, and the workers? How many were willing to do that? Let's see. I got two, three, a few hands. What would happen if we would come out and cry out and put our lead family, our, our first family in prayer Tuesday night so when our pastor comes back from sabbatical, he is coming with anointing. He is coming with the power of the Lord. He is coming with the word of God, refreshed, ready to do the job. How many were all oh, people? This is our job. Man, we're supposed to sharpen each other. What are we waiting for? Where are you at in the men's group? Where we all ladies? This is the time. We don't wait. People, don't wait till you find yourself in a position that you say, okay, Father, if you get me out of this one or if you raise me from this bed, I, I will serve you now. Don't wait until you're so deep in, in your sins that you know what happened to Saul, right? They said, don't pray for him. No, Saul in the Old Testament. They said, don't pray for him anymore. He's been cut off. Thank God that Jesus don't lose nobody. If you're in Jesus' hand and the Father's over Jesus, oh, you are so secure. Don't fear for nothing. Let's come out. Let's not be in the waiting room any longer. We have been empowered. <coughs> Excuse me. We have been empowered. I'm going to uh, pass uh, Brother Thomas to come up and be on the keyboard, please. See, my preaching was shorter than the, the, the introduction. <laughs> I told you. We need to know one thing. You have the same spirit 
that rose Jesus from the dead. That does get you, that doesn't encourage you. The same spirit that is in you raised Jesus, <laughs> raised Jesus from the dead. How many would say, what would happen? You say, Father, if you could use me, use me. Or if you could use anyone, use me. What would happen if you just say, okay, Father, I'm not going to work overtime on Wednesday. I'm going to serve in the youth. I'm not going to work overtime on Tuesday. I'm going to come to prayer. What would happen in your house? You know, sometimes we can't even save our own families. Like I said, I could do all. I'm here. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm counseling people. I had a, I, I was, Friday night I was counseling here last, you know, Friday night. We always doing counseling. I see her doing counseling. But sometimes we can't even do that with our own family. But you know what happens when we do it to another family? God takes somebody else and brings them to your family. You know, the Bible says that a prophet sometimes is not accepting his own home. I take that. Sometimes, you know, we, we, it's hard to preach to our people that we know. You know, or the family that, or, or serve this family, our own family, because we know them and they know us. And it makes it a little hard. Oh, you said that because you know me, you know. But when somebody else comes and that's the same thing, but they know, wait a minute, how, how do you know this? Because the Lord sent me. When you serve others, God serves you through others. So people, let's not be in the waiting room anymore. Let's be on our feet. Let's get on our feet. God wants to do great things, and he is doing great things. But I'm going to tell you, you haven't seen nothing yet. If this church, and when I say this local church, from this day forward, unite and say, you know, I'm going to make prayer night an important part of my week. It's going to be so just as important as me feeding myself, as me breathing. I'm not going to work the overtime. I'm going to come to pray. You might have to leave a little early. I might come a little later. But I'm going to go pray. You know, this is not a, a house of preaching. It's a house of prayer. I call this my house of prayer. This church started in a prayer, in a garage, but through a prayer session. It was a group of people that got together and prayed and studied. A small little group in a garage. 50 plus years later, we're here. Still going. Now you have been called out, out of the waiting room to serve. I don't know where you're going to be next week, but I will make it my business first to get here on time, second to see where you are needed, because you are needed. Each and every young people, every young person here, no matter what age you are, you are needed. Men who, who, who mature men, we need mentors. Boy, I'm pretty sure, Edwin, wouldn't you love some mentors in your group? Wow, that would be awesome. Imagine a man who has been through something and, and got something to, and be able to mentor a 16, 17-year-old kid who maybe doesn't have a father in the house. That's getting out of the waiting room. That's getting out of the waiting room. You know, when, Joseph, when, when Joshua said, me and my house will serve the Lord, you know what he really meant? You know he didn't prepare another leader? As great as he was, he didn't prepare another leader. 
He said, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but me and my house are going to serve the Lord. But, uh, but let's help the other house. We should care. I know it sounds a little weird. I said, wait a minute. I've always taken that as a, as a, as a positive. Yes, me and my house are going to serve the Lord, but he forgot to set other leaders. That's why, men, we need to start raising these young leaders, pouring into them. What you got to offer, I know we got things to offer. Our experience, what we've been through and out in the world, we need to share that. And I'm calling out the men now. I didn't do this in the first service because, you know, we don't, the time... But I'm calling out the men to step up. Be the head of the household that you've been called to be. Be the call. You know, when a, when, a, when a woman submits, it's supposed to be submit to a godly man. Let you be the head. But then teach these young men. When my kids were in the, in the high school, everybody knew I was involved in the schools. And I even ran for for the uh, board a couple of years. It was so, I saw so much. Man, there's so much work to be done there, man. So much to be work. Let's get out of the waiting room. I'm going to praise a little bit and I'll come back out. And, but I, I want to think, if you guys, anybody needs prayer, just come right up. I, we have deacons and we have pastors out here who will pray for you. But let's worship a little bit and just take this in heart what the word said today, amen.